0: Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behavior, sleep, and more. Good quality childcare is important for every family in Australia. It's important not just because it allows women to re-enter the workforce, but because it provides our children with lifelong benefits when it comes to education. So does the latest budget show our government is committed to a good quality, easily accessible early learning for children? Samantha Page is the CEO of Early Childhood Australia. Hi, Sam. How are you? Hi, I'm very well. Thank you, Siobhan this budget commits to funds for quality early learning until 2020. Early Childhood Australia are calling for a longer commitment. How long do you want guaranteed funding and what difference would that make?
1: Yeah, so well, we really want to see that universal access funding locked in as a permanent um, funding model. So it, the same as we fund schools uh, on a longer cycle, we'd like to see preschool and kindergarten funded on a longer cycle. Uh, the, the difficulty at the moment is we've got these 12-month funding agreements and that just doesn't allow for proper investment in things like infrastructure and workforce. It doesn't give... A security uh, of tenure, it's hard to sign leases, it's hard to employ people obviously long-term when you've only got 12 months of funding at any given time.
0: Now this is going to sound like a stupid question, um, but if you manage to secure that kind of commitment long-term, could a change in government over that period result in a change in policy?
1: Any government can override the decisions of a previous government. It's about... Uh, how difficult it can be to do that if things are enshrined in legislation or in long-term funding agreements. I actually do think that there is support on both sides of politics for preschool and kindergarten. So I wouldn't think that one government would undo a permanent agreement on preschool funding. It's about which government is going to step up and make that a reality.
0: Do we know why they won't commit beyond the next couple of years? Uh,
1: So the... Rationale that we've been given by the current federal government is that they're concerned that states and territories aren't doing enough to lift participation rates for children in the one year before school, so that's the four year old children in most states and territories, uh, and to ensure that those children are attending, not just enrolled in preschool, but actually attending and receiving uh, the, the quality program that they're entitled to. And so the federal government is asking the states and territories to better. Uh, document what they're doing to engage families to increase participation and to ensure that children are attending before they're prepared to uh, lock in a more permanent, sustainable uh, funding model. Uh, Mm -hmm. Our message to the federal government is that we believe the states and territories are uh, very invested in lifting participation rates and and increasing attendance, but that part of the problem is this uncertainty from one year to another. It would be better to have... Uh, uh, to agree on a long, long-term long sustainable funding model, model and then states and territories could do more in this space. And part of that is about building relationships at local community level with um, particularly uh, disadvantaged groups and communities. So Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander communities, um, recently arrived um, refugee and migrant um, communities, community that for one reason or another might um, hesitate to engage in preschool and kindergarten. You need long-term programs that uh, engage with those families and in, in order to see an improvement in participation rates. But that's not, it's not easy to do when you just have a 12-month by 12-month funding model.
0: Speaking of disadvantaged communities, the budget has announced funding to go to the Smith family, but Early Childhood Australia argues that it would be better placed with community-run Indigenous early learning groups. Why is that?
1: The Smith family do terrific work with vulnerable families, and I don't um, need to imply otherwise. But if the primary group that the government is seeking to reach out to are in are Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander families, then Aboriginal-owned and operated community organisations are the best-placed organisations to reach out to those communities and those families. And in fact, um, Snake, the National Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Childcare Peak, has done a lot of work in this area. We've just produced a very comprehensive discussion paper and policy paper with Snake on how to better engage Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children in preschool and kindergarten programs. They've set out um, a number of strategies with good evidence, um, examples of programs that have been evaluated, solid research. And I think it's just such a shame to see that work overlooked uh, in favour of a non-Indigenous organisation. Um, I think it would be so much better if the government would work with Snake and work with the local Uh, Indigenous organisations in those communities where there are low rates of participation. Um, That is consistently
0: what works. Essentially, it doesn't sound like there have been great improvements in this budget. Does it maintain the status quo? And if it does, who's missing out?
1: It does maintain the status quo. So it maintains the childcare subsidy that was introduced um, last July and it maintains the level of preschool and kindergarten funding that we've seen in the past, um, the families that are missing out, uh, the families that are bamboozled by the complexity, all are ruled out of early learning due to the activity test that applies to the childcare subsidy. And um, you know, it was estimated that one in four families would be worse off under that activity test. And indeed, many families would um, miss out altogether on childcare subsidy. And I think that, is a problem that hasn't been um, hasn't been given the attention it deserves, and that's partly because we haven't got data coming out of the childcare system yet, and we haven't got the evaluation report on the transition to the new system, and so we haven't been able to articulate exactly how many families are missing out or worse off. But um, certainly, anecdotal evidence from the sector suggests there are plenty of plenty of families that have had to withdraw their children or reduce their hours. And that uh, just isn't good enough, quite frankly. I think those children are probably the ones that would benefit the most from being in services uh, and um, we, we should be holding the government to account for that. Uh, the other uh, group that we're concerned about are the families that are getting caught up in glitches in the system and the complexity of the system. So families now that are worried about debt um, that they are accumulating because of the time it takes to process applications or because of changes to their circumstances. And we raised this with government from the very beginning of conversations around the new childcare subsidy. We said it's too complicated, um, uh, it's going to be confusing and difficult to implement. There are too many families now that work in casual employment or contracted employment. Um, The gig economy, you know, where you work as an Uber driver or something else, your income is uncertain and highly variable. And a childcare subsidy system that relies on families knowing exactly what they're going to earn and being able to report that in real time to um, Centrelink is problematic. And that's what we're seeing emerging now. You know, you will be aware there's been quite a few press reports about um, families having large amounts of back pay dropped into their account, and not really knowing what that's for, other, other families being alarmed at um, notices they're receiving that might imply that they've got a debt owing or that their childcare subsidy has been recalculated and that can take them
0: by surprise. It's just way too complicated. Mm. What would you rate this budget out of 10 for the early learning sector? Hmm. Um, I'd say I'd give it a six
1: because it didn't reduce funding to the early learning sector and it did um, at least extend the preschool kindergarten funding by another year. Um, and there's a few bits and pieces around, um, you know, improving access and participation rates. But I think what's fundamentally disappointing is there's so much more to be done, there's so much That could be done. Uh, We could be giving all children two days a week of subsidised early learning. We could afford to do that. Even within the existing funding allocation, we could afford to do that. Uh, And we could be extending preschool and kindergarten to two years before school. That would close the equity gap for so many children that are currently disadvantaged in the school system. Um, We also really need the government to take a national coordinated approach to addressing the workforce issues in the early learning sector. And for them to not do that for another year is really disappointing. So it's really a missed opportunity budget. There's just so much you
0: could do. Well, I wish we could end on a more positive note, but <laughs> this is real life. Samantha, thank you so much for speaking with us today. And You're very welcome. That was Samantha Page. She's the CEO of Early Childhood Australia. In the next episode of Fee Play Love, we'll be back with Helpline and our resident mothercraft expert, Chris Minogue, answering all your parenting questions.
1: So it, it, there's many different ways of doing it, but if I would just stick to the basics, listening, going in when it's an active cry, helping him to settle. The other thing that I think doesn't get across is that it takes between five minutes and 15 minutes to settle a baby. So it's not a two minute thing and it's not a one minute thing. It's It's a distance thing. <laughs> Yep. And it's that consistency. And and I think if you stick at it, you will pay it will pay off and in a month's time
0: you'll be in a better place. If you want to ask Chris your questions, you can email them to us directly. The email is helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. Feedplay Love is produced by Elise Cooper, written and hosted by me, Siobhan Hunt.